0: Hello, everyone. I'm Joseph Roberson, a.k.a. Professor Joe, of both King Talk Podcast and the Professor Joe Show. And you are currently listening to me on King Talk, our unapologetic and transparent discussion on any and all issues related to youth sports. If there's something you'd like to hear discussed, feel free to drop us a line, shoot us a DM, and let us know on IG at King Talk Podcast. That's King Talk Podcast, one word, on IG. You can also find us on Facebook at King Talk Podcast. And on iHeartRadio as well as Spotify and several other um, media platforms. All right. That being said, today is my esteemed privilege to welcome our special guest, Deborah Hefter. Hello, Deborah. How you doing? I'm
1: doing Deborah, great. Deborah, we clap for
0: ourselves. We applaud oh, for ourselves around here.
1: I like thank that. Thank
0: you. Thank you. How you doing, Deborah? You doing well?
1: I'm doing great. I'm doing yeah? good. I'm excited okay. to be here today.
0: And now I feel like based on this being, um, we're moving into past mid-March to late March of 2020. We could say this uh, era will be forever known as the COVID-19 scare time. How how are you getting by during this time period?
1: Uh, You know, I think it's a little bit, I think it's weird for everybody. I think it's filled with a lot of unknowns and a lot of anxiety and a lot of, uh, you know, fear of what could happen and it's it's hard because now we've lost all of the the activities and the things that we would normally do to kind of keep us focused and sane so it's a little bit different and and odd
0: i've seen people post ironically you mentioned that about even the loss of um athletics professional athletics and ability to watch them so i've seen people post like day six without athletics and then you know just little memes or pictures of like div- watching the video game playing itself or just <laughs> other things that we previously wouldn't have considered sports like i think i saw someone with pictures of like praying mantis with helmets on <laughs> <fighting> or something <laughs> like that you know but you know life is real and um I think at minimal, what it it does for me and what hopefully, um, you know, I have a different set of concerns for young people who, uh, because this is unprecedented for a lot of us Mm -hmm. who have seen previous, if we see quote unquote scares as it relates to uh, uh, viruses and things of that nature. And still, and yet this is unprecedented to be quarantined to be on some sort of what uh, resembles a lockdown. I think what's going on at least in, uh, The greater Los Angeles area doesn't necessarily necessarily, um, look uh, synonymous with what's happening perhaps in San Francisco and I think Vegas right now. And yet even the way it looks here is uh, something of a somewhat unprecedented nature. So I have probably more of a concern for young people in terms of how they interpret these times and um, more so than I would necessarily for myself. Um I guess there's questions to us to what normalcy will look like, you know when we return to normal what what that actually looks like uh but at the same time, what I appreciated that you mentioned because you know tying that back into youth sports is you know in all our previous discussions, grace, are we coming up on a year? Has it been a year or okay, so in our previous discussions over the past year, we keep talking about some of the greater purposes in sports and athletics and trying to get people really to fixate and focus on that. And so some of those lessons that sound so cliche that I would hope people would now be benefiting off of is like, you know, things like discipline and persistence. And, you know, because caring for one's health, Mm -hmm. you know, some of the adjustments we've had to make in terms of uh, personal space, uh, in terms of making sure someone washes their hands appropriately. Well, just for instance, with sports, playing uh, basketball, uh, going to the gym a lot, I've always, in general, let people know that there are a number of things transmitted in gyms, going from machine to machine. So it's important that you be aware of that, that you wash your hands afterwards. Uh, playing basketball, you, you know, you're passing a ball mm-hmm. around, so that everyone's <laughs> sweaty. Everyone, right? These are these the, are these optimal conditions for things to be transmitted, right? Um, you have a great deal of sweat and whatever could potentially be contained in that. So, you know, again, there's certain patterns of behaviors you should be learning that to me um, have a direct translation to even survival through moments like these. You can't necessarily totally protect yourself from a virus, but you could give your body the um, optimal circumstances to maintain a healthy immune system Mm -hmm. and those are a lot of the things that to me ideally you're aware of and you work on if you're into youth athletics you work on your nutrition you work on caring for your body well so again you know not that we love to exist in this current situation but it becomes that reminder that okay these are some of the things we're learning and developing by participating in youth athletics over time. No, anyway, I do, yeah,
1: no, I mean, I feel lucky that our sport when we're allowed to do it, I'm a swimmer, so um we don't have to deal with a lot of those things. you've got all of these chemicals and all of these things around right, you all the right. time. I feel like chlorine must course through my veins at this point in time, and I've got to be immune to so many different things, but yeah, I mean, those are factors that you know i I never really had to think about as an athlete was transmitting too much to you know you're in a pool you take a shower, you change and like you're out of there, you know. Right. There's not a lot of equipment that gets tossed around amongst people and uh, if it does, you know, it's pretty well like sanitized by being in the pool. So, yeah, it's it's just a very it's it's yeah. so different to have to think about all these things when I never really had to think about them as an athlete um and now it's things that yeah. we're trying to ingrain into them so that even from this point forward they continue to think about them because yeah, this is going to change the way we do a lot of things now. And I think we just all have to be really flexible and ready to adapt to some of those changes. And they're not, they're not necessarily bad things. It's just.
0: It's a reality. Yeah. Yeah. It's our,
1: it's our new, it's our new reality. And
0: adaptation is part of survival. Also resiliency. So, and again, those are some of the things we learn through competing in in sports. So I would hope uh, young people could at least take some of those lessons away and allow them, uh, those lessons to benefit them as they go through the, you know the circumstances we 're dealing with in current times, that being said, you mentioned that you participated as a swimmer mm-hmm. now, when you say that, can you be more specific with us like what were there certain events you participated in? Yeah,
1: or? um I mean, I started swimming when i was i don 't even remember how old I was. My mom took my older brother to a swimming pool one day for lessons and saw how cute the coach was, and so okay. that 's how we all became. Okay. A swimming family. Um, Did your and, mom
0: want people to know that story? Uh, she well, just say, oh, okay. Now she does. <laughs> okay, okay, <laughs> she has no okay. choice anymore.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I mean we, that's how we all kind of got into that. And as as my brother kept getting injured by basketball and by soccer and by all these other sports, and my mom saw how, you know, no injuries were happening during swim practices, we all just kind of got pushed into that uh into that sport and I've been doing it since I could remember. I swam age group, I swam in high school, I swam in at Pierce College. I swam for SeaSun. I've been a master swimmer, so it's just mm, been something that wow. I've obviously kept with myself and it's been really nice because as I've changed, you know, from from an age group swimmer in high school into college like you're kind of told what you need to do, right? Like you have to swim these events, you've got to do these practices, you've got to do all this stuff yeah. and So when I became a master swimmer, which is an older, you know, on an older 18 and over swim program, you kind of get to make those rules for yourself. You kind of get to decide what you want to do in practice, what you want to focus on. And so I made the point when I made that transition to totally change my events. I went from being a sprint freestyler and backstroker. And I was like, you know what I want to try? I want to try IMs, which is individual medleys, all of the strokes. I want to try butterfly events. I want to try all these things that I was never allowed to do because they said, well, this is what you're good at, and so this right. is what we're gonna keep you right. as, and this is where we need you, and you don't get to try anything else because
0: right.
1: here's your specialty. And so it was really nice to have that power, autonomy to like make those decisions for myself and, and become the swimmer that I wanted to be. And I found that all of my strokes got better when I was able to diversify and focus on so many more things than, here's the one thing that you're good at, and right. just keep getting good at that, you know. Right. So um, I, I find it, I was very lucky to have that opportunity to become a master swimmer and to learn a lot more about my skill set and get more comfortable with all of my strokes. Where before I would have said, oh, I can't, I can't do those because right. I've been told right. I couldn't do them for so long.
0: Did you begin to believe that because you were told that? Did you believe okay, I'm not efficient or effective at this? Oh yeah. These? Oh, oh
1: yeah. I mean, I think that does a lot for you and so that's something that I always talk to my students and my swimmers about. It's like your mindset is the most important thing, you know. You've got to remind yourself that like you can do these things and mm-hmm. like you might not be great at them yet, but that doesn't mean you can't be right. good at them eventually. Right. And uh yeah, I mean, I definitely think hearing that from your coaches or hearing you know, just other, you know, watching other people excel in certain areas and you're not getting any better because you're not getting to practice them. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. I think that does a lot. I mean, I think sports is so psychological that, you know, the physical is an important factor, but if you're not speaking to yourself positively, if you're not, you know, having those really good internal conversations with yourself, like you're not going to be successful. It doesn't matter what your coaches are saying or what you know, your parents or your teammates. Right. I mean.
0: If you don't really believe. Yeah. Yeah. That takes me back to Chris Hayes. What's up, Chris? Who, uh, he has a saying, 90%, is his 90% mental. And, you know, it's, someone could debate about the percentages between what's important mentally or physically. But at the same point, it's the acknowledgement that the mental part is significant. Mm-hmm. You know it's so crazy? So I appreciate you sharing that because so many of us are unfamiliar with uh, sports like swim. And I don't want to call it a fringe sport, but it's like not the ones that people think of in pop culture, Mm -hmm. maybe until the Olympics. So when you said that, that's consistent with what people experience in sports like football Mm -hmm. and basketball. And, but, but a lot of people don't know it. So when we're experiencing it as an individual, we begin to take it so personal. And in one sense it is because it's our experience of it. And at the same time, it happens in every sport where you have a coach telling the person like, okay based on the needs of our team, and there's some fairness to that. That's some of the reality of it, but then there's a balance to it because it's both the needs of the team and then what's in the best interest of this uh, youth, the student athlete, as it relates to their future opportunities as well, mm-hmm. but it even happens in swim where people are relegated to a specific role oh, yeah. by a coach.
1: Oh, I mean, I know, I know and I feel awful when I think back to when I started coaching as a 17-year-old, obviously not having the the knowledge or the understanding I do as an athlete and coach today, I feel awful that I did that to some of my athletes and said, Oh, you can't do this, so I'm not even right. gonna work with you on this skill set or I'm just gonna help you get better at this because like, you know, I have a hundred kids and I can't right. make you right. better at this right. one thing because it's just not something that comes to you naturally. And I feel awful that those were like decisions that I had to make. Right. And you know, those kids prove me wrong a lot of times time, too. Ten years okay. later we're better at certain strokes that I just didn't have the time, the right, patience, right. the understanding to, to help them develop. So I feel horrible when, when they come back to me and it's like, well, you told me I couldn't do this. And, I, and, and you know, so you, obviously these are things you learn over time and right. I've learned by example. So obviously I was taking all those examples as a 17 year old coach from the coaches that did that to me. Right. And it wasn't until I had coaches that taught me something else or I learned that there was another way to do this. Right. To help support my mm-hmm. athletes better, so it's a, you know, it's kind of a sad little cycle. But I'm I'm grateful to be here today and have right. the understanding I do today. And be, aware. Yeah. And be
0: aware, yeah. Be aware, and at the same time, though, there is a balance because one of the things you mentioned was it wasn't just that you weren't willing or didn't have a willful spirit or the notion to. You also meant part of the challenge was time. Like mm-hmm. I have a hundred athletes. And, you know, this is, you don't have a natural propensity to this, and I don't have the opportunity to, you know, really work with you. So what that, to me, emphasizes, and that's something I talk with um, to a lot of young athletes is, you know, what you do with your coach and in team structured events and practices is one thing, but what really will lead to your success is what you're willing to do on your own. Right. And some parents don't really understand that with clarity is that there's limitations. And I wanna even take that into classroom settings academically. It's no different. What you do in a classroom, that's really gonna just be the, hopefully we can say the foundation, mm-hmm. but that's a minimal part of it. The success you have in, in the classroom or in an athletic setting, uh, you know, has a great deal to do with what you're willing to do on your own. And I'm not even talking about on your own with a trainer. Mm-hmm. That's that's another thing, too. You get a trainer, no different than you get a tutor, right, to help you out. So you have a, let's say, if I said a coach could be looked as a parallel to a teacher. Mm-hmm. And a trainer could be looked as a parallel to a, a tutor, so to speak, in terms of continuing to prepare but then as in both instances, it's still at the end of what are you willing to do on your own by yourself mm-hmm. to really supplement all of that that's going to determine your long-term success. So, you know, I hear you and, and I appreciate seeing your growth as an individual and you expressing that. And at the same time, there's most definitely balance to it in the sense that you could want to help people all you want. Right. And there's limitations to what time will allow, mm-hmm. you know. Um, that You mentioned swimming at both the community college level and the university level. So one of the things I found fascinating with another sport I didn't grow up really having a great interest in or being that familiar with was uh, volleyball. I wasn't aware that, you know, volleyball didn't really offer um, as many scholarship opportunities as some of the other, you know, I almost want to say power five like they're a conference, right, right? right? But certain sports do. Where does swim lie in there? Is it similar or do can I mean, you get a swim scholarships or?
1: Well, I mean, swim teams in the last, I would say 10 years have been cut drastically from uh, like college programs. There aren't as many anymore or if there are, they're like part of college club swimming, which is kind of a new okay. section of swimming to, uh-huh. to schools that have dropped teams. So it's, I think it's very hard to find scholarships. I know it. I don't mean to talk bad about my alma mater of CSUN, but we did a lot of recruiting internationally. And so we had a lot of swimmers and athletes on our team from all over the world, which is cool. But we also live in Southern California. And I would say the pool of, I mean, no, not to joke, but the pool of people that are here yeah. that are great swimmers is is tremendous. And so yeah. I always found it a little bit weird that we didn't try to stay within our cluster you know or or recruit you know locally you know I I thought that that was a little bit bizarre like we had very few local people even I as a local swimmer it was a walk-on I just want I was like I just want to keep doing this I don't you know I I I went away to school for a year after high school where I didn't swim and it was probably my worst year of school ever it was Mm. my grades dropped I was so unmotivated I lost you know like I didn't realize how much sport and athletics kept me Right. Diligent kept me motivated, kept me wanting to achieve more. So, um, you know, there it's, it's hard cause there's few and far between opportunities when it right. comes to swimming and scholarships. And then even opportunities, obviously after college right. are next to nothing. I mean, they just developed a, a swim league that was like, you know, Northern California, Southern California floor, you know, and they were trying to build up this big swim, you know, but right. I mean, I'm, I don't think anybody here knew about it so obviously it didn't okay. get, it didn't get oh, wow. very far um to people but yeah I mean it's it's really you do that cuz you love it you do it because right. you want right. to get better at it it's not for any sort of fame glory you know other than comparing your times to your times last year or you know yeah personal records and so everyone's
0: not going to be as his name michael phelps right Uh, everyone's not going to be acknowledged and known like that
1: no i don't think you'll find another i mean i can't imagine there's going to be another swimmer that's going to come around like that for a very long time so oh
0: so he's what you would call generational talent yeah i would
1: i would say i mean just you know his variety of of strokes that he could do you know his um Motivation and its dedication to the sport. Like, right. you know, I, I I know there are a lot of athletes that are amazing athletes. I just, I don't know if we'll see one right. to that caliber in a long time.
0: One of the things you just mentioned, and, and again, I'm going back tying these things into, um, you know, over the course of the past year and our discussions. And one of the reasons we started doing this podcast to get people, uh, you know, parents, but also student athletes, uh, a th- uh, at least a reference point mm-hmm. for envisioning the bigger purpose of youth athletics, right? Because I shared a similar experience to yourself where I was under no delusions of grandeur. I didn't think I was going to become a professional athlete, but I appreciated the structure athletics brought to my life. And so you just mentioned how, um, you know, that year you were away when you went somewhere else and didn't swim was potentially your worst year. And, you know, because you began to realize what swim brought to your life. And so when I do this um, coaching certification I have to do every year to uh, participate in coaching on the AAU level in basketball, one of the things it talks about is, um, as it relates to basketball, basketball for life. And one of the things I don't think people pay attention to sometimes is basketball is one of those few sports where You might see someone 60, 65, 70 on the court. I don't know if I'm pushing it when I say 70, but I've played with people (laughs) between 60 and 65. And I have played with at least one or two in my lifetime who were pushing 70. And so, again, it was one of those sports that motivated them not just to get up and come to the court to get exercise. I'm going to take it a step further. It motivated them to work out in preparation Of coming to the Mm -hmm. court to get some exercise so that they could compete with other people and so again is it really just about um, competition for the sake of competition and competing for some accolades or at some point is it about creating a healthy lifestyle and creating uh, habits that lend to you know your success in other areas so even myself when I was in the master's program um, working on my degree The irony, as that program became more rigorous and more difficult, one of the things I did in order to get through it was go back and start participating in the same physical training regimen I did in preparation for football. Mm -hmm. So I would wake up and go run several miles and run some sprints and physically train. And that really had everything to do with me getting through a master's program and succeeding in my academics. And, you know, you try to share it, but it's almost like anything else in life. You could tell people's story and they can listen. They can even believe you, but will they really get it if they don't participate? So, you know, I appreciate you just sharing that and reaffirming that um, so that people could really get, like, what is the greater purpose of, of what we're doing? So, because if you understood that purpose, we'd probably see less conflict and and right. some of the poor sportsmanship we see, whether winning or losing, and um, some of the, you know, other things we see from parents. Oh, well, I was about to ask you a question related to the swimming, too, um, in terms of your experience over there. What what events were you swimming at?
1: So I, I mostly swam backstroke events and freestyle mm-hmm. events and sh- shorter distances. When I went to four-year university, the events changed completely. That was the other weird thing was the high school events and junior college events changed totally when you hit four-year. Like everything okay. doubles in distances, which... I didn't know when. I oh went wow! There. Like literally but, doubles yeah. in distances. So like a hundred backstroke turns into a two hundred backstroke. You know, like so okay. your okay. fifty backstroke is now a hundred. You know, so okay. like, and I I had I had no idea because I I did club swimming a little bit, but once I got into high school, I kind of dropped club swimming and just focused on high school and you know doing gotcha. my sports for the school that I was at. Um, so yeah, that was a complete shock to me. And I I remember well, this was when I was like thirteen, but one of the first times I ever swam a two hundred backstroke. I had no idea I mean it's and it was long (laughs) distance too it was a long uh uh, 50 meter pool and twice the distance of what I'm usually used to swimming in and I remember getting halfway down the pool and just crying and my goggles like filling up with water for the rest of the race because I was just so I was like I don't even know where I am located I have no idea how long this race was supposed I mean it was just it was such a disaster but um you know i thank God I made it through that. And I, when I went to college, I was like, okay, I kind of understand what this is going to feel like, but it was a, that was a very different experience. I mean, it's like when you, you know, play basketball and you only have two halves, you know, in college, but your whole life you've been playing four quarters and then you go to, you know, the big show and it's back to, and it's like, why wouldn't everything be synchronized? Like, why wouldn't everything be consistent? It just doesn't make any sense to... (laughs)
0: To make the time period, like eight-minute quarters. Right, right, Right. yeah. Yeah. It's it's like, it's
1: so bizarre, yeah, as you go, you know, from college to high school, age, I mean, it's all, everything's got their own standards. And it's it's very weird to make that transition into being a college athlete when that's not. Yeah. What you've been practicing or training.
0: Right, but again, the blessing and preparation for life is a weird transition right. going from a youth yeah. to an adult. Right. It's a weird transition <laughs> going from a period where everything is about you and your household yeah. to nothing is yeah. about you, and you better figure that out pretty quickly right. in order to survive. So, again, you know, the irony is this your ability to adapt, adjust, mm-hmm. your ability to persist, to demonstrate discipline, to, discipline, uh, to demonstrate commitment to, um, what word was I looking for? Oh, shoot, it slipped my mind that quick. But those things have a direct translation to your success in life. Oh, yeah. Because those are the exact things that are going to be required for you to succeed.
1: I mean, I appreciate. So, I mean, I you know, I can't even put into words how much I appreciate the uh, getting to be a youth in sport and right. all of the things that you learn from that that you don't realize until way later, the values and the things. I mean, same you know, I was a lifeguard when I was 17. Like I got hired by the city of Los Angeles, trained as a lifeguard. And I remember my first day at work, there's, they gave you a pool, there's 50 people in it. And it's like, don't let anybody die, you know? And that's at 17 years old, yeah, you're yeah, responsible yeah. for the lives of yeah. whoever comes to your facility. <laughs> you're also given a hey. team of a hundred kids to wow. say, also make them yeah. learn all of these things that you have to, and, and, I look back on it and I'm like, well, no wonder me and my friends are the way we are now. No wonder we're, you know, leaders and no wonder we, you know, like we take all of these things very seriously and we, you know, can be flexible and we can be adaptable and we can, you know, be responsible and respectful and all of these things that, you know, so many people don't learn because their first job opportunities are not with that much power, you know. It's folding clothes or making smoothies or, you know, I mean, not that those aren't great jobs, but... Definitely but the things they, you learn about yeah. lifeguarding and about...
0: Hey, Because hey, the term, the the terminology for the position means everything. I right. are a lifeguard. Right, guard. right. And we use the term and don't really think of the meaning of the words. If you gave me that job at 17 and said, don't let anybody die and walk away, when you would come back, no one would be in the pool. Right. And he's like, Joe, why is no one in the pool? I'd be like, well, you said make sure no yeah. one died. And that's the <laughs> simplest way for me to... Hey, because I was very literal at that age. They'd be like, well but this is a pool i was like yeah but we can't let anybody die right. so no one in the pool oh yeah you know?
1: oh yeah no it. i mean it taught me so many more things than even i realize up until this day and it's not until every experience comes my way that i go oh wow that's something i learned from this first job or from being an athlete or you know like these two things that are have built my foundation of like who right. i am and you know, I appreciate even getting to reflect on it in this podcast and, and you get to think about it again and realize how important these things are. Yeah,
0: it's real life. Now I have to ask Grace, let me check in with something real quick because Grace, am I accurate? I just, I'm trying to think and use my memory. I don't recall whether any of our guests have been female up until now. No? Oh, uh-huh, what? Yeah, so I mean that <laughs> came to mind. And so even my excitement when you said you would participate, um, partly in relationship to swim, um, because I also look at this as an opportunity to learn. I enjoy the learning process, I enjoy discovering what I've been previously unaware of. Um, so again, it's easier to find people who've participated in basketball mm-hmm. and football and these you know, certain sports, um, even potentially baseball, uh, versus someone who's participated in swim mm-hmm. um, also as it relates to gender so i just feel very blessed by your presence today because that meant something to me uh, because you know even in my role as an athletic counselor i always find these great distinctions um, that are somewhat impacted by gender even in terms of the thought process mm-hmm. about why people participate i think society uh, There's a pervasive thought as it relates to sports when it's in regards to young men who are oftentimes pursuing it with at least hopes, even if it's somewhat delusional at times, right. of eventually participating as a professional athlete. And I don't necessarily see that at the same um percentage with the young ladies I work with who are often doing it, even at the community college level, because their parents want them still to participate, right. their coach talked them into it. Um, but very few of them because they desired to participate at a professional level. Yeah. Did you at any point have hopes of, and I don't even know what that stands, like did you desire to participate and swim at the Olympic level or at the I professional I mean, I'm sure level? in some
1: weird fantasy world, yes, but like reality, I knew I, that was never going to be, I, I, you know, I wasn't fast enough to make those things. I mean, I was fast. I made, you know, state championships. I was, uh, you know, I, I made yeah. all American teams, you know, like okay. I, I was accomplished in, the swimming that I did. I knew I wasn't going to make it to that next step. But, you know, when I started, when, you know, when I got the job at 17 as a lifeguard and I started, began beginning coaching, like that's when I was like, Oh, this could be the step that I take in professional athletics and sports. Like this is where I feel like I have something to offer and where I can help the next generation of people maybe achieve those things. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think I think you're 100% right for women in sports, you know. I mean, it's changing a little bit now. I would, you know, we've got the WNBA. Right, and, right. And, you yeah. know, soccer leagues. <laughs> right. Um, but other than that, you know, and, and, you know, how much are those things thriving in terms of people watching them and, and being big-time sports, right. you know, but...
0: It's slightly yeah. slightly more visible. Yeah. And what I do appreciate it, our our women are very vocal in speaking up and acknowledging, hey, we want um, similar compensation mm-hmm. to what men are getting as yeah. it relates to participation in athletics. And so, you know, over time, I think one of the blessings of this country is even when things aren't, whether we talk about according to gender, uh, race, sexual orientation, you know, things aren't equal, but it has the potential for change. Right. Allows, as much as I see wrong in many areas, I do appreciate that there's the potential for change. So as long as people utilize their voice, which is also a segue in the to-go-vote listeners. Our young people, you might not be able to at this moment go make your parents vote. Matter of fact, if you want, tell them who you want them to vote for. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hey, get them some feedback, because they might not have researched the candidates as well as you thought they did. You know? Hey, um, As it relates to um, sports, I feel like I'm getting so old. I need to take more notes because as I'm talking, I'm losing my thought and stuff. (gasps) I was about to ask you something as it related to swimming sports before I went on my tangent of voting.
1: Well, I was going to say something you you mentioned earlier mm -hmm. was about the experience of playing with players that are older or younger than you on the court. And I would say... In master swimming, it has been, it is the most humbling experience because when you go to those competitions or even practices, like, the variance of skill sets and the variance of eight, I mean, it is just, it is profound. And, like, uh, some of my best races were I got up on the block and next to me is, like, an 18-year-old kid and next, you know, on the other side of me is, like, a 60-year-old person. And, like, maybe I beat the 18-year-old, but that 60-year-old is kicks my butt all the way up and down the pool and it is I mean it's amazing there's a a 95 year old that I mean she was just inducted into the world swimming hall of fame and I mean she still dives off the blocks at swim meets and she's not swimming you know one lap or two lap races she's swimming the 500 which is 20 laps or the 400 IM which is a you know a four laps of every stroke I mean it is it is unreal and it is so impressive and so cool we have I mean, I run the pool here at Pierce College, and we have a, you know, a lovely young lady, I'll call her that, who comes and swims every day and is like, out of all her friends, she's the healthiest. She's the one that can still move around. She called me on Monday to ask if we were open, and I was like, you're the person that needs to stay home right now, but, uh, yeah, but <laughs> call want. me if you need any anything, yeah. any, me need to bring you anything, but... Um, yeah, I mean it's it's really it's amazing how much you know how big our community is and how small and tight knit it is at the same time. And
0: um, but you know she got up on those blocks with the intent of whooping you up. In oh yeah, oh, you know I that, mean right? she, she still oh, does. Okay. There's okay.
1: people okay. that she beats. Like yeah. it's it's amazing. Hey, it I just really...
0: I just want to clarify that because people don't know there's a lot of older people who they're not just recreating in a sense. Like no, they came into whatever sport environment that is to demonstrate to you and give you some humility. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I don't want people to have... Me, I don't take any opponent lightly. So if I'm competing at something, I don't care how old you are, how young you are. I don't care your gender. I care nothing about you. I'm about to try to compete. Right. And then afterwards, if I've overdone it, I'll look and be like, (laughs) my bad. But that's in part based on my awareness that there are people out there who even at a um, older age will still get out there purely oh, yeah. with the intent of defeating you. Oh, yeah. You
1: know? No, I mean, it is is—it is competitive. I mean, you know, once you're an athlete, you're an athlete forever. I want to win. Yeah, ev- I want to yeah. beat everybody at everything, whether it's my nieces and nephews at foosball or, like,
0: whatever. Hey, which is whatever. why I've never <laughs> taken your invitation to come to the pool because I know secretly, like, you're not about to humiliate me in front of anybody. You know, it just came back to mind, too, what I was thinking about earlier was, um, okay, so I had knee surgery from football, and I did my rehab in a pool. And one of the things I always became amazed about was, okay, it was such a great workout and strengthening my legs. It provided uh, so many benefits and blessings that helped me compete at a high level after my injury. But we developed this association with pool workouts. Like it's all therapeutic and helpful and don't realize, no, those pool workouts on people who swim are brutal. Mm-hmm. And for them, does have implications in terms of injuries. I think the first time I noticed that was with the water polo, and I don't know if they still do it, but people would fill up those five-gallon oh, yeah, uh, water do. bottles I and hold them their I have four of them head. in storage room. Yeah. Oh, wow, yeah. wow. And then years later, because I have some uh, shoulder issues from football, and different people I know who participate in water polo would let me know, like, oh, yeah, my shoulder. And I'd be like, how's your shoulder messed up from the pool? But swimmers do experience some...
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, you know, I I am a belief of with proper technique, Mm -hmm. you should have very few injuries. And that's what I wish more coaches were willing to develop. You know, it Mm -hmm. does take a lot of time out of your practices or your yardage or things like that. But swimming with proper technique makes you more efficient and more effective. And obviously you're using the correct muscles, so you're Mm -hmm. not going to have as many injuries. But yeah, with, I mean, water polo technique is not really a thing. It's get to the ball as fast as you can. Throw it to whoever can get it and make it into the goal. You know, so yeah, yeah. technique there isn't really that. It's it's okay. brute force, which is why I never played water polo. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like my personal bubble of space. So yeah, water polo yeah. was not my game. Yeah. Um, I've
0: seen what goes on yeah. below the oh, water. Oh, it's Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's, it's an aggressive sport to be respected. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I yeah. mean, it takes a lot for me to yeah. finally retaliate, but right. I mean, I've I've done it before in water yeah. polo. I just it's just not it's just not me. Um, but, yeah, there's there's a ton of injuries in swimming, you know, overuse of things or lack of knowledge or, you know, sometimes I think also some some athletes are still learning the difference between, like, pain and hurt, right, you know, or right. pain and overusage or muscle exhaustion, you know. So they're still kind of learning and developing those skills as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, you can see knee injuries, like... From being a swimmer you also have really loose ankles so anytime we'd go for a run i'd probably sprain my ankle like every time oh, but wow. not notice because you're just your ankles are super loose from kicking and super loose from just the usage so um yeah i mean there's there's a lot it, it, it's not concussions unless you're running into the wall or other right. people but um there are definitely a lot of sports and some like career ending sports too which is you know you might not again like you might not think about it you might just go like oh they just go up and down the pool or they're right, just you know Right. but I mean I know as a swimmer I, I also teach aqua aerobics like you know there's I very rarely exercise on the land and and okay. I find that by doing it in the pool you know I I'm able to get so much more out of every exercise just right. because you've right. got the resistance you've got the you know back push of the pressure of the water from everybody else who's also exercising in there with you so i mean it's a it's a really great all over sport right. and you obviously can use it for so many other things besides just swimming
0: right gotcha makes sense makes sense all right that being said let me ask you a question you, and i ask all the guests this you're a very insightful person i see you um i know the student athletes you work with have a great rapport with you um, What are the things that you think are important? Because I've shared during the course of this discussion a lot of things I feel are important. And, you know, that we talked about through the, the um, brief history of this podcast. What are some of the things that you think are important to share with young people as it relates to participating in sports, as it relates to the purpose of sports? Or also parents, coaches, anybody who was involved in somehow influencing the mind of young people what would be the things you would think important to share with them
1: well that's a, that's hard you know um i think it's it's just important to remind them that like you know for our athletes at the pool i just say like remember this is only a couple of months like remember this is you know like it's you're not do you, you might not be committing to do this for a lifetime but you can commit to like really focus and stay stay focused and stay on track with your right. with your team right. and sport for the amount of time that you have to. Because I know it's it gets really hard, especially as um, you know, you've got to tie in school and you're getting into finals and you know, but like you just gotta remember like it's temporary, you know. I mean that's probably the point I say to them all the time is I know it's hard, but like this is only temporary. It's only gonna be a couple months where you've gotta try to keep all this stuff balanced. Another thing that I, I really try to talk to them about, something that I learned in my master's program, my my um, master's degree program was just like about your plate of life and about how much you can actually fit on it before things just start to fall over the side and to like really keep your plate like manageable. And I know for myself personally, like last year, I worked a lot on dropping things that just didn't mean anything to me or I didn't think were bringing very much to my life Uh. or I wasn't able to do as much for them as I wanted to. And it was just important for me to think about how much I could actually be successful in and take away the things that like I wasn't I couldn't be successful in because of how much I had on my right. plate. So I think that's a really important thing for like the college kids and, right. and any athlete to understand is like you can only take on so, so much, much and and you have to remember it's gonna all fall over the side eventually and right. just to keep it really manageable.
0: And just because a lot of young people think in very literal terms is it okay to ask you what are some of those things you're referring to when you said you might have to eliminate or give up because you didn't find them useful to you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I had...
0: Hopefully, she ain't about no. to say nothing about it, uh, no. Our friendships. Right. <laughs> like, that person was not useful to me. I gave them a... No, no oh. but I was
1: I was very much into, you know, saying yes to all the opportunities that, you know, like, that's the thing. Yeah. I was like, say yes to everything that comes your way and take yeah. everything on yeah. because, like, you never, you know, and it was like, yeah, that's a really great thing to to run with, but... Yeah. If you're not passionate about it, like you're not going to give it your best shot. And there's no reason why you got to stress about it. So, I mean, there was like a organization that they had volunteered me, I'll say, to be like come as a secretary. Mm -hmm. And I did it for like a year. And after being thrown under the bus many times of, you know, or people giving me the wrong, you know, I kind of looked at them and I was like, I don't, this is not what I'm passionate about. This is not what I want to be doing. And none of you are helping me develop or grow in any kind of way that i feel like i ne- I need to be here doing this with yeah, you so yeah. you know probably like six months before the position ended i looked at them and i said i'm i you know i feel bad and i apologize but like i can't do this with you guys anymore right. you know i've i've been on some pierce college committee things where i've done them for a little bit and then i'm like you know what this isn't i don't feel like i'm contributing what you guys need me to I think I'm just sitting in this chair to be an extra body here as opposed to somebody who might actually be passionate about this or who might actually want to follow through. So, you know, I just tried to cut things off that, yeah, I mean, they're still very important things and I hope these organizations and all these committees or whatever are doing really well, but it just wasn't, it just didn't feel like it was adding anything to me. And if anything, it felt like it was taking away from all the other things that I was passionate about because I was trying to, trying to convince myself that I wanted to do these other things. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a bad idea to, to say no, or to drop things when you realize that they're taking away from the stuff that you could actually be successful in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, not that I, I I don't like being a quitter, like, that's not something that I like to define myself as, but at a certain point, you kind of had to look at it and be like, this, this isn't adding anything, I'm not adding anything to this. So Maybe I should take a step away
0: It is appropriate to walk away from some things It is appropriate to say no Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of times I try to explain to people Even the inability to say no Sometimes Is in and of itself For selfish reasons And what I mean by that is When you want to excel at certain things That demand your commitment Your focus, your dedication You have to be able to say no to other things But sometimes we don't want to say no because when we say no, other people may have a certain reaction mm-hmm. that we see. I visually can see the look on this person's face. I have to accept on an emotive level that they are disappointed, maybe even angry or, or frustrated with me because I said no. Mm-hmm. When, so therefore, I don't want to say no because I want to avoid having to accept that they feel that way. No, how about my success in life may require from time to time me say no to someone and i have to deal with and i can't avoid the fact that they're going to be frustrated but hey i need to use my time right because time is limited it's not infinite as a resource it's finite right there's i believe 168 hours in a week we spend a considerable amount of it sleeping if you're a student you have academics you have to study Right. You have family responsibilities. You have commuting. So there's a limited amount of time. So you have to be very thoughtful about how you use it. It's mm-hmm. a precious commodity. So, you know, yeah, people do have to understand, like, yeah, it's not always about quitting so much as. Again, we don't encourage anyone to do that. But at the same time, if you assess something and it's not um contributing meaningfully to your experience of life or to your success in life. And let me use it conversely and therefore you're not able to contribute meaningfully to that, you know, situation, to that circumstance, to that event, to that outcome, it might behoove you to not, therefore, you know, have your time spent in a way that's not really meaningful. So I hear you. I wouldn't necessarily call that quitting so much as potentially wisdom at times.
1: Yeah, I mean, and like you said, it's really hard. These are not decisions that you make at the drop of a hat. This was something that I thought about for a long period of time before... Commu and, and I had communicated to the chair of like the organization like hey i 'm just letting you know where my headspace is at, like this was months before I right. said i can 't do this anymore, but right. yeah, I mean you know you can't you can 't always think about how other people are going to feel you ha you, you know you have to be a little bit selfish and i I appreciate my mom for really teaching me that of just like nobody else is going to care about you like you're going to care about at you all, nobody all. else is going to think about you like you're yeah. not even your parents, not even your whatever gra- like yeah. it so, if if there's something that you need to do, like, you're the only one that's going to make that move in your best interest. And so, you know, as selfish as it is, I, I would give the shirt off my back to anybody who need it. But at the same time, I still have to do things that, like, yeah. I can live with and I can feel okay with. And, yeah. and, and sometimes that's making a hard decision. And that doesn't make me a bad person or it doesn't make me bad for saying no to something. It's just... I have to think about myself. And you, you, you do have to be a little bit selfish. It, it doesn't mean you can't be giving, but you do have to think right, about yourself because right. nobody else is going to think about you right. like you
0: are. And, and they won't, you dictate your value mm-hmm. by, especially to others, by the value you demonstrate for yourself. Right. So if you demonstrate no value for your own time, then the people around you, and it's not with malintent, they're not going to value your time because they don't see you value your time. So, you know, again, it's just those lessons we have to learn. And the irony is, you know, a lot of us do also learn those, you know, going back to youth athletics through sports. And that becomes the, you know, the the learning environment in which we develop our understanding of life that we take into life itself, mm-hmm. you know. So, again, I, I appreciate you making time to sit and talk with us today, um, you know, because, again, I know your time is important. And uh, you know we appreciate you sharing. And yeah, this some was something I are. said yes to. <laughs> okay. Hey, look, look, and we appreciate you saying yes, Deborah. So everybody, uh, thank you for listening today. And uh, again, we express our gratitude to our uh, esteemed guests, Deborah Hefter, and, and that's a wrap. You've just—I usually say uh, when I'm sitting here talking to another man, you just witnessed two kings talking. Oh, well, I say like so. You've just witnessed a king and a queen talking. Thank you for tuning in to Cain Talk. Talk to you later.